This is the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media. Now, here's Jason Jones. Hi, everybody. Um, some of you have read the good news that I was uh, sent out of the isolation facility. We thought... This meant I was allowed to return to the Olympic Village and will be treated maximum as a close contact. Um, on the way to the village, uh, we did not turn to the village, but the ambulance went to another facility where I am now. I am supposed, my NOC got surprised by this decision as well. I'm supposed to stay here for um, another seven days with two PCRs a day and no contact with anybody else. I am allowed to slide alone. I am, we are not even sure I will ever be allowed to return to the village. And obviously this is very hard for me. So I ask you all to give me some time to consider my next steps because I'm not sure I can handle 14 more days and the Olympic competition while being in this isolation. Thank you. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Jason Jones Show. I am your host, Jason Jones. Uh, that was a young Olympian, Kim Lemans, I think. I'm probably mispronouncing her name. I apologize. She is a Belgian Olympian. She's on the bobsled team. And uh, the skeleton, I don't know what that is, the skeleton competition. Well, I don't know because I'm boycotting the Beijing Olympics. I don't know what that competition is. That is that is Belgian's best and brightest, right? That is the, the, the their their gem, a, a beautiful young athlete uh, who is a prisoner of the CCP. Testing COVID negative, they're making her test twice a day, every day for seven days in total isolation. Her dream, her whole life, her dream, her whole life. She trained her whole life to represent her country in the Olympics. I, I, went, I went to her social media account. I'm going to go look at it right now. I went to her social media account. And she was so excited about her road to Beijing, the path to Beijing. Yeah, the path to being a prisoner in solitary confine and confinement. That's why we are doing this pentathlon of podcasting. That's why every single day we are standing up to the CCP. You know, for who they make everything they, every human being the CCP touches, they make vulnerable and they abuse. Every single human person they touch, their own wives. These Communist Party cadres subjected their own wives to what? Forced abortions, right? The Uyghurs in Chinese-occupied East Turkestan to the worst brutality you could imagine. Now here is Kimi Lamans. Kimi Lamans. By the way, she is proud. She is an out-for-the-win ambassador for the LGBTQ community. I hope they come out for her. I hope the LGBTQ, quote unquote, LGBTQ community comes out for her, will come out for her. 
I will. I am out for her, and I am out for everything and every person the CCP touches and they abuse. They abuse workers in Iraq when they go to Iraq. In Africa, when they go to Africa, they abuse everyone. They smash Hong Kong. They, they honeypot our politicians, right? Uh, you know who I'm talking about. And so we're standing up to the CCP. But here's the good news. I've been saying this. These Beijing Olympics are, are an opportunity. I, I knew these Olympics would be an opportunity to expose the CCP. And it is unfolding better than I had expected. And it is unfolding that way tragically because the communists can't even act right for a week. They can't for 16 days say, hey, guys, for 16 days, let's act right. We have, we have company. You know, imagine your kids are wild. Your kids are wild. You're like, look, we have company. The whole neighborhood's coming over. Can you act right just for the day? No, and they can't act right for the day. That's, that's the commies. That's the CCP, the socialists. They can't act right for a day. Hey, look, the whole world's coming to Beijing. Hey, can we treat people right? They can't even treat people right for 16 days. If this is how the communists treat an Olympic athlete with the entire world looking, what do you think they do in Chinese-occupied East Turkestan where no inspectors have been allowed to go for years? What kind of horror is going on there? Well, today we have Say. Hoon Kim, who is the director of the Captive Nations Coalition. He is also a member of the Committee on the Present Danger of China. And Sehun Kim is going to walk us through um, the struggle of those peoples that have been captive nations of the CCP. By the way, the first nation that's been captive, uh, uh, the first captive nation of the CCP, we didn't talk about this, is China itself. China is the first nation that the, the communists captured. And we need to free China. We need to free Tibet. We need to free uh, Mongolia. We need to free uh, uh, Hong Kong. We need to free East Turkestan. We need to keep Taiwan free at all costs. And so we're going to talk to Sehun Kim about that. This episode is being brought to you by the Jason Jones, I'm sorry, by the Vulnerable People Project. And uh, the Vulnerable People Project is... Uh, the Jason Jones Show is a program of the Jason, uh, of the, uh, wow, I'm tongue-tied today. The Jason Jones Show is sponsored by the Vulnerable People Project. And the Vulnerable People Project is committed to standing with the most vulnerable people in the world when no one else will. We're there, right? When Kim Lamont is vulnerable, she's a proud out-and-about ambassador, but I wonder if they'll be out-and-about for her. We're out-and-about for you, Kim. We're out-and-about for you. Routing about for the Uyghur, routing about, routing about uh, for the vulnerable in Afghanistan, routing about for the for the Yazidi in Iraq, routing about in the Nuba Mountains of Sudan. We're out and about where anyone's vulnerable. The vulnerable people's the vulnerable people project is there. I need lunch. Okay, full disclosure, I'm hungry, and and uh, and I'm gonna go eat after this. But you got to listen to this great interview with this the, the, with Sehun Kim. He is a great guy. He is a hero, and I can't wait to dance on the grave of the CCP with Sehun Kim. So here we go. Oh, oh, Mike Lindell. <laughs> Mike Lindell, this show is also being brought to you by MyPillow.com. Go to MyPillow.com and look around, browse. Pretend it's the 80s. You know, go to the mall. Just look around. Look in, you know, walk into the stores while you're listening to, to Journey, and, uh, and then stop by the, the, the food court and get an Orange Julius 
and eat one of those like 10-year-old hot dogs they have there at Orange Julius and then just walk around shopping, go into Hot Topic, get yourself, you know, a, a T-shirt from a rock band and um, a Rubik's Cube. It's 1987. And then you walk into the MyPillow store at MyPillow.com. You look around and you're just going to be amazed at what you see there. A lot of great products all come with this discounts when you know the secret word, the secret code. Put in the secret code. That is Jones in the Radio Listener Square, and you get those great discounts. All right, on with the interview with the great Sehun Kim on the Jason Jones Show. Sehun Kim, director of the Captive Nations Coalition of the Committee on the Present Danger China. Welcome to the Jason Jones Show. Thank you so much, Jason. Glad to be here. Well, yesterday, we're glad we have you here because yesterday we had on the, the great Frank Gaffney and he focused our attention on the threat that the CCP poses to our children, grandchildren, and to our posterity. And I think it's great to follow up with you because of with your work, um, you work with communities that are being trampled by the CCP and have been trampled for decades by the CCP. So... We, we can't expect that they, they, they wish they would treat our grandchildren any better than they treat the Uyghur today, can we? No, absolutely not. And a matter of fact, uh, thank you so much for that kind introduction. And uh, I have to say Frank Gaffney is a great man and really helped me to get to where I am today, honestly. And I think, and, and, and you know, to your point about, um, you know, protecting our, our you know, just being aware, actually, of the the evil capabilities of the CCP. It's becoming a lot more serious than ever before. And so I think you're absolutely right on the sense that, that, you know, to expect them to treat us even worse than the Uyghurs if we're somehow under their control in the future. Well, we started the show off with an Olympic athlete um, breaking down crying on Instagram about how they are treating her. I mean, they can't even pretend to be nice for 16 days they can't even pretend to treat people humanely. No. They can't even treat the world's best athletes with the world looking at them with dignity. And I'm sure they're trying, right? They're trying. But they, they yeah, don't you know, they, they can't even begin to know how to treat somebody properly. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and, and you know, the the whole thing with the Olympics shows uh, uh sh- shows something uh, very very disturbing about the CCP is that um they pretty and just and just by us um, you know, indirectly uh, allowing them to hold such a sacred and amazing worldly event, we pretty much told them that it's okay for them to do whatever they're doing, you know, to their own people and to the other people that are held captive right now. Um, and, you know, it, it, we're sort of seeing the fruit of our actions in a way as a, as a free society of, of interacting with China. So, so, so again, to me, it's not really su- surprising. And um, I think the other disturbing trend is that right now, if you look at the CCP and their attitude, it, it, it boils down to we are the CCP. We are, we are the, the middle kingdom, as they call themselves. And if we want to do what we want to do, you can't do, you can't do anything about it. And, you know, the, the horrible treatment that the Olympic athletes are getting um, is, is an undeniable evidence of that. So do you? So are you saying that like this? This uh, this Olympian Kim Melamans, uh, she's Belgian. Are you saying that they're actually not trying to treat her with respect or dignity, 
they are they are showing the world we treat people the way we want to treat people. Shove it. Or or absolutely. Wow, that's even. I just thought they this was their pathetic attempt to treat people nice, and they really have them in basic prison cells and are torturing them. And this is their form of hospitality. But what you're saying is no, that's not well, the case. They're like you send us the you children of the world, young young adults from the all over the world, uh, your best and your brightest. You're, you know, the people you put on Wheaties boxes, send them to us and we will stomp on their face. And what, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and this whole, uh, this whole thing with the pandemic is, is something that they're uh, unfortunately weaponizing in order to do just that, right? They're, you know, anything, anything that they do, you know, they have now resorted to, oh, well, it's our own COVID regulation. Oh, it's for the safety of other athletes and for us and therefore anything anything that everything that we do um has a reason behind it so therefore you know it's right and the other thing is this is that you know the they're they're so-called allies right um and then and, and their main buddy buddies around the world you know mainly dictatorships of russia iran um you know and and, and other countries you know beyond that um, they've actually legitimized the ccp and basically told them great you do whatever you want and um, you, you will never see us criticizing you for it. And unfortunately, you know, the United States as a, as a you know, as in general and many of the European countries and other so, so-called free world have sort of uh, fell into that. Track, there's right? no more free right. world. No, there's, there's, no, a, there, there's, there's those of us who remember the free world and are fighting for it, but there, there is no more free. There are no, there is no, we are no longer the city on the hill. We are no longer the cowboy with the white hat. No, we're not. And and honestly, going back to what you said about our grandchildren, this is something that they're going to inherit if we do not fight back, right? And and, and with the with the Olympic with the Olympic athletes, I mean, to them, uh, again, anything anything and everything that they do is justified in their eyes. And so, you know, at this point, whatever they whatever they tend to do to our athletes, whether it's taking a blood sample of you know blood samples from them or Eesh. treating them with ho- with horrible conditions or even just providing them with just absolute trash of, of, of food even, right? And you, we've, we've seen the pictures, uh, one of the pictures where uh, I, I guess the Russian athlete uh, posted on her um, social media account. I mean, they're blatantly telling the world, you know, look, we're going to do what we're going to do and there's really nothing you can do about it. You know, um, th- but this and, is and- how they treat their own people. So they don't know how to treat oh, even people. Worse, Jason. Yeah, they treat their own people yeah, worse. This worse. is them on their best behavior. Absolutely. Can I, I? I'll tell you a story. I um many years ago, a decade or more ago, I we did internships for students from around the world. It, my, um, this organization that sponsors this show it's actually sponsored by the Vulnerable People Project, a program of Hero, the human rights education and relief organization, and our other main program is Movie to Movement. We produce and promote movies. And we had students from China that would come to the United States to intern with me, with us. Mm-hmm. And um, these students came, and, and I thought I was getting these poor Chinese students, but I was actually getting like, kids that were from very prominent, very wealthy families. I didn't understand that at first because the Chinese company that, that partnered with me was really, they, they sold it as if these were poor kids, and they only had... $5,000 for a six-week program that included lodging and everything. So I went to my donors to double that, and we matched them at 5000 
Well, I gave them a list of things that they could choose to do. Like they could choose to go to Dis- Disneyland, Disney World. I'm sorry, Disneyland or um, Universal Studios. But they couldn't do both. And it was sort of like that. You can do this or that, but not both. You can do, you know, go to this museum or that museum, but not both. And, you know, we, we worked, we bent over backwards to, to, to give all of our interns from around the world the most beautiful experience. Well, with the Chinese students, I actually took them to Mao's Kitchen in L.A. for this great meal. And I was really proud of the housing we were able to get them with the little budget. I was proud that I got to have them meet with movie stars and screen, pre-screen movies and, 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 and movie studios. I was really happy with what I was giving them. And, uh, and this was like really like into the second week. And then finally, uh, when we were at Mouse Kitchen, the students asked me, you know, why they couldn't do both um, Disneyland and Universal Studios and why they couldn't go to this museum and that museum and yada, yada. And I said, you know, uh, girls, I, I do apologize, but you only paid 20, uh, you only paid $5,000 each. And I actually had to get my donors to match um which, which you gave, and uh, they started talking in Chinese to each other. Um, and they said, they did, they were, I could tell they were embarrassed, and they said, uh, that can't be right. We paid $30,000 each for this program. Oh, my goodness. Right. And uh, so I was furious. And then they gave me a list. They, they took out a list, and they read it to me in English, what it said that they were going to get. They were going to get a party uh, and a movie star's house, like totally crazy things. And uh, like, what? Like a, with a ball gowns, and it was just insane. Like they, what they were promised was insane. But guess what? I said, I'm going to do everything on this list. I went, I had them call the Chinese uh, representative to come to their housing that we got for them. I asked to see her passport. I put her passport in my pocket. And... Uh, and I grill, and I told her we know everything. And I said, you need to call your boss in China and uh, you cannot tell them the girls are in the room and tell them you've been caught. And as they were talking, the girls started crying because they were just being very open about how they were trying to screw these girls. And oh, they were caught because I said they have to wire me all the money. No, I let them keep 5K per kid. I said, you wire me the 25K per kid and I'm going to do everything mm-hmm. on this list. Do you know we threw a party for them at David mm-hmm. at David Henry's house. The, oh, my God. Yeah, David, the Disney. And all these Disney actors came. I got them everything on that list. We got them box mm-hmm. seats to the Angels game. I said, we're going to do everything <laughs> they said. And the girls were crying, and they said, you know, um, why would you do this for us? Mm-hmm. And I said, your, your father sent you to another country and trusted me in your care. And so I'm just, I'm your father's proxy. I'm just mm-hmm. fighting for you the way that your fathers would fight for you. And that's when they shared with me, their fathers were communist party leaders, very powerful that would never even fight for them, never fight for them like this. But they did say in business school, uh, in, in college, they had learned that Americans, America is a successful country because they're honest and they trust each other, which we might snicker at, right? As Americans, but, right. but comparative <laughs> compared to the communist China, but this is how they treated their own kids, Right. Of wealthy, powerful Chinese Communist Party leaders, they just, you know, grifted off of them and sent them and made promises to them and didn't keep keep them. Well, now we're seeing how they're treating our best and brightest. Imagine, and now you tell me you don't believe they harvest 
poor Uyghurs uh, in, in, in the remote corners of East Turkestan that are in East Turkestan that are stuck in concentration camps. You don't believe they'd harvest their organs when they treat their own, uh, their own children. They abort their own children through forced abortions or, uh, or are they in front of the whole world with every camera in the world looking abuse uh, our most precious young adults, our Olympians? Of, of course, everything we, the most grim stories we're hearing about the CCP are true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, and, and, and really just to add to what you're saying, this, this also shows the heartlessness of a regime, right? You mean, in, in, like every government is made up of people, right? And every person, in, in my belief at least, is capable of doing something good. The CCP in general is, is devoid of any of that. If it had any individuals that wanted to do anything quote unquote good or reform or whatever, whatever good that, you, that may come out of it, is either silent or they're vanished, right? And, and, and I think really uh, the, their attempt to just silence whatever um, human rights criticisms um, that are held against them and, and other things, etc., um, it just really shows um, that they're willing to do literally anything to achieve whatever they want to achieve and make themselves look, um, quote unquote, good in the world, right? To make themselves, or to actually place themselves on, on top of the world, thinking that power is everything. So yeah, no, absolutely. So I wanted to talk to you specifically about the captive nations. The, you know, the first victim of the CCP were, of course, the Chinese people themselves. But then quickly right. they began to expand, invading Tibet, invading East Turkestan, Mongolia. Yeah. Uh, can you talk to us, what is the captive nations coalition? Who are the captive nations? And what are the different abuses that these nations are suffering under, under the Communist Party of China? Well, the Captive Nations Coalition, uh, as, as, as you can as you can see, is a coalition made up of uh, people who are kept under captivity under the um, the oppressive hands of the CCP, and it was created back in August of 2020. Uh, you know, when the pandemic was raging, um, with the guidance and the suggestions of our great founder, uh, Frank Gaffney. Um, and through his suggestions and advice, um, it, it came to it, it came into existence. And um, I was given the task to um, to head this uh, head this coalition. And, and really, in principle, what the Captive Nations Coalition um, does is to advocate um, people who have been the main victims of the CCP, and for people who are slowly but surely becoming um, the victims of the CCP through. Uh, the degradation of their national, so that their national sovereignty. So we're essentially we're looking at two groups here, and I, I believe in this category we only have two, um, you know, two groups. So, so the first group are are mainly consisted of people. Firstly, the Chinese people themselves, and then um, the southern Mongolians um, who were brutally taken over, and unfortunately hasn't been getting too much attention, but their issue is just as important. And of course, we know the Tibetans and the Uyghurs, the Kazakhs, the Tajiks, the Uzbeks that are living in um, the occupied East Turkestan. Now, all these places are uh, occupied. And let me also add in Hong Kong, uh, which in, in a way had uh, semi-autonomy all these years after the British handover to, 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 to communist China. Um, and now it's completely gone. And, and, and the second category are the people that are, um, that are about to be taken over, mainly through the Belt and Road Initiative. Um, and also, you know, we have, we have, we have, we have, we have free and independent sovereign nations 
like Taiwan, for example, that are constantly under threat of uh, CCP's militaristic and ideological invasion into the country. So um, that's, you know, that's the main uh, group of people that we are advocating and that we're supporting right now in various ways. And um, we are, and even, and I might even add, you know, we also added Afghanistan this year, you know, considering the fact that the Taliban, um, a brutal terrorist group, I don't need to remind everyone else, is that um, they have been getting a significant amount of support uh, from the CCP. Partly, you know, partly because of the uh, CCP spite against the United States, but um, to exert, um, eventually exert the CCP's control um, over South Asia and, and towards the Middle East. So, well, 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 think of this, Sehun. You have the Taliban and the, and, the, and the CCP have been partners for over 30 years. In 1998, they spent $10 million to buy a Tomahawk missile that fell uh, uh, unexploded in, into Afghanistan. Uh, they, you know, we know that the, China plotted a war game in the late 90s using Al-Qaeda to bring down the Twin Towers. That's not a conspiracy. It's a yeah. fact. The book has been since yep. published in English after the documents were leaked. Um, now we have NBC and Nike and Costco and Coca-Cola and Apple partnering with the CCP. I mean, so CCP, if you put them on a, on a diagram, they'd be in the middle, a chart. You'd have there the CCP, and then there'd be... You know, a line going to the Taliban, a line going to Al-Qaeda, a line going to NBC, right. a line going to the NBA. I mean, when you are, and, and you know, in the, in the 80s, in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, the Soviets and, and, the, and the Chinese would say, you know, the, the Americans only use human rights as an, as an, because it serves their national interest, that they're not really concerned about human rights. And I think it may be, there may have, they have a point. Because after China started selling us cheap crap and allowing us to use their slave labor to manufacture products for our transnational corporations, you know, uh, the free Tibet movement was just disappeared in the United States, right? So right. You, you, there's Very no doubt so. that our deep state, the neoliberal elite, the establishment mm -hmm. are hand in hand with the CCP together smashing the rights of the Tibetans, exploiting the Southern Mongolians. Uh, turning their back on their friends in Hong Kong who they've been doing business with forever and, and, yeah. and, and the Uyghur of not China, not Chinese Muslims population. They, they're not, they're the Uyghurs. They're, they're also Christian Uyghurs. It's an, it, the, the East Turkestan has been occupied and smashed. Tibet has been occupied and brutalized. And um, where is the state department? Where is the United States government and leading and championing the cause for freedom for these oppressed people. Why aren't why aren't we doing that the way we did that in the battle against the Soviet Union? Right. Well, well, I think the answer is really simple. Um, it's corruption. It's the lack of our values. It, it's it's being also getting out of touch with the principles of which this country was was founded upon, which you know, which in a sense is liberty, right? And, and and again, as an immigrant to this country, I I've always looked at the United States, um, except for a small period of time in my life, um, as as a beacon of hope, uh, a, a country that where that I can be free, that I can be who I am, that I can be a person that of, of who God made me to be, right? And so, um, if you take that away, right, you you sort of get what we're seeing right now, where. Uh, a good number, a great number of our elected representatives were supposed to be um, representing the people and the will of the people. And, and again, even going back to the whole NBC thing, 
they have the lowest rating um, for the Olympics coverage. I, I was really, really glad to see that. And it really shows, shows that the people are just fed up with the CCP. Yet, we see their elected representatives um, sort of kindly saying, a, a kind of saying, you know, things that may, you know, get them uh, a, a, an applause or even uh, something else uh, later, right? Saying that, oh, they care about human rights and whatever. But in reality, what have they done, right? I mean, the Uyghur Forced Labor, the Forced Labor Act, Labor Act, like that, that was a really good, um, you know, passage. Everyone was happy to see that pass. But how much of it do we see it being enforced, right? How much of it are, are we are, are we seeing it as being uh, as, as a leverage, as being used as a leverage against China, right? I mean, I mean, again, and the, the other the other real big. Um, mistake that we are making, right, that our elected representatives are making, is that they are looking at China, the Chinese government specifically, as an, as just another government in the world. Well, that's just absolutely not true. They're just not another government in the world. They are a criminal organization, a transnational criminal organization, mind you, um, that just happens to be occupying um, a country, a massive country, um, with with uh, with territories that have been taken over decades ago, and 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 their own people are actually warning us that this is coming to our shores, and and we need to watch out for it. But unfortunately, at least uh, a great um, the great amount of elements of the CCP have already landed in our um, in, you know in our in our country, and unfortunately has become a part of uh, our, our daily our, our daily lives. You know, mainly through our representatives and, and and universities and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's unbelievable. You know, the war. Yeah. The uh, you know, my grandfather fought the Chinese in the Korean War, mm-hmm. and I talked to uh, I think Reggie Littlejohn about this about how in his, his last moments before he died, and um, when we were talking, he was crying and he said he was crying for all the boys he died that the that the CCP sent to be slaughtered by the Americans. And, and how it broke his heart. This is this is a war going back uh, to the 40s and for my wife's family to the 30s because my wife's family's from China. Before, I want to mm-hmm. give you, to give us a sort of synopsis of the different um, nations that make up the captive coalitions, captive nations right. coalition, um, go through each nation briefly and, and explain that to us. And then we'll have a representative in this pentathlon of podcasting as we boycott the Genocide <laughs> Olympics. We're calling this the pentathlon of podcasting uh, it's an event, the Pentathlon of Podcasting is an event where we tear down the CCP, say Hoon. We're going to defeat the CCP. Mm-hmm. I know it. You know, when I was Absolutely. in the Army, everything, when I was in basic training in 1989, everything I shot, everything I threw a grenade at, everything I bayoneted had a hammer and sickle on it. And I remember I was awesome. in lockdown with the Armory preparing for a deployment to the Philippines because there was a coup. And there was a television in the in the armory where I was locked in with the equipment, the weapons. Well, it wasn't the armory. It was actually our rec room with the pool tables and all that. We had, we had unloaded the armory and we we're getting ready for deployment to the Philippines. And I was in there locked in and um, watching the Berlin Wall uh, was being torn down as I was locked in with my company's weapons. And we are going to see the crumbling of the CCP, and it's going to be beautiful. And we better not make the mistakes with China that we did with Russia in the 90s, right? Uh, and China's going to yep. need as much help or more help uh, because of the, the violence of the cultural revolution and ripping up the roots of China. Um, but, but before right. we get to the captive nations, 
I want to I want to ask you a question. I should have asked you earlier. It's something I, I I should ask all my guests because I don't want any any spies getting on my show. Sehun Kim, are you now or have you ever been a communist? I have been a communist. Yes, a very, very a matter of fact. As a should very, have asked this earlier. Diehard communist. Okay. Um, who actually adored people like Lenin and Marx. Yeah. You adored Lenin and Marx. And that's now, not a joke. What about Stalin and Mao, or the Khmer Rouge, Pol Pot? So I'll be honest with you, Jason. I didn't really know too much about you know the the Khmer Rouge or or you know Pol Pot or even um even even Guevara, but um. You know, my view of Mao and Stalin, um, and again, this is my past speaking, <laughs> is that they were pretty much um, heroes, right, for defeating um, uh, a, 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 defeating this evil that we all agreed were evil at, at, at some point, right, um, and, and still now. So um, to me, they were, you know, they they were they were at the very least uh, figures that were able to accomplish something good for the world. That's what they were to me. Now you you were born in South Korea. Yes. You were educated in Catholic schools. That's probably how you became a communist to begin with. I mean, <laughs> how did a young man uh, educated in a Catholic school from South Korea? Mm-hmm. How did you? How were you first attracted to communism, and how did your parents respond? Well, firstly, um, being an immigrant family, my mother always encouraged us to you know speak. Um, Korean at home, and she wasn't too aware of what what I was doing in school, what what my ideologies were. Um, you know, and again, I I think I did a pretty good job, you know, hiding a lot of that stuff from her, and, and even from my from my father, and even from my siblings actually, um, because I know for a fact that they didn't approve. But I, I think uh, it's important to establish that I was extremely at one point rebellious. Um, I just hated the system. I at one point. Um, uh, to be honest with you, I was bullied a little bit when I was in, um, you know, in elementary school, and that uh, sort of, I think, culminated into me, you know, saying, "Hey, you know what? Um, you know, screw the system. Uh, maybe the system that I'm living in is not right." And um, and surprisingly, so, um, you know, Marx's, you know, Marx's ideas were jumping up at me and saying, "You're right. The the, the so-called free world that you're living in right now." Um, it's not all that great. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's, I think, that I think became a, a main um, starting point for my, you know, for, for my journey into Marxism. And, and plus, you know, going into Catholic school, at least at that time, majority of people that were around me were extremely conservative. And um, I just, I just didn't think that I fit, you know, I, they, they, you know, they were just, they were just different from me. And so um, that's, that's that's how I became a Marxist in a Catholic school education. You know, Eric <laughs> Eric Vogelin. I don't know if you're familiar with Eric Vogelin, the great um, political philosopher who mm-hmm. uh, in Austria was calling the Nazis out in the 20s, and he wrote mm-hmm. about Marxism and other ideologies as sort of Gnostic cults and um, yeah. sort of religions, the utopian religions trying to solve the problem of not the free world, but really, yeah, God's economy, that it is a free world. Mm -hmm. And so do you think it was sort of like a religion for you to to deal with the problem of pain and human suffering more than a political philosophy, but a religion? Uh, Yes, yes. And and I think on on top of that, you know, it's 
it's like what we see with hard leftists that we see today, or even the, the current Marxists um, that are walking in our streets, um, where it's just straight up rebellion, right, against this. It's a straight up uh, frustration um, and a misguided, you know, with, with frustration that I, I think sometimes may be valid, but um, the way that they handle it about is extremely misguided. And and again, I didn't really, and, and since I really just kept it, kept a lot of it to myself, um, and, and kind of going, uh, expressing it from time to time, um, I didn't really have anyone to guide me in that, in that sense, right? And the only thing that was guiding me was the Chinese state television, uh, the Global Times, the CCP, CCTV. I thought those were, you know, those were the greatest thing ever. So Not how did you, how did were, you, how, where were you watching this? CCTV. Well, it was, uh, it, it was it was on our uh, you know cable 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 network actually the CCTV there was a CGTN actually English channel and I I watched that I you know I watched it almost every single day and you know on YouTube as well I I was actually subscribed to uh, the CCTV at one point and I, I just literally watched everything and plus I think the, I think the other big turnaround for me was the Beijing Olympics in 2008 I I I I, I watched the opening ceremony and I just thought you know this is this is literally the future. You know, it's it's a mm. it's a society with communist ideas, yet with all of the modern benefits, right? Why can't we have the same thing here? And so that also became sort of like the the nail on you know the nail in the coffin for me at least um, to support um, the you know the communist ideology, specifically the CCP. So, um, you know, you say you were bullied, but I had a friend that went to school with you, and she. Yeah. She said you were. She said she confirmed it. Yeah, because you know, I of course knew you were communist <laughs> before I asked the question. She said you were kind of known as the, the the Marxist kid. Now you went to it, and she said your school had a lot of Koreans. So how yeah. did the other Korean students react to your communism? Well, that's that's the funny thing, isn't it? I I, I came to the state um, when I was nine years old, and majority of the Korean South Korean international students at the time, you know were you know came to the u.s only a year or two before they um or it was their first time in the united states right and so um i'll be honest with you i did interact with them but not interact with them at the same time i wasn't too close with them um i you know i, I you know we had a it, they, they were just an acquaintance uh to me so and and again i was pretty good about hiding my uh, viewpoint except during religion classes where i actually wrote a paper I remember um, praising Marx at a, <laughs> at a, at a, at a, at, you know, in a religion class talking about, um, you know, talking about, I think it was uh, freedom in Christ or whatever. <laughs> it was, um, it, it, it was, it, it was a hell of a journey. So, it, that's, that's interesting. Now, um, this, this, what's more, almost, this is more interesting to me, the psychology of you as a young man, because when I look at a young kid who's attracted to Antifa, uh, um, you, you recognize that there's a lot of real pain there, right? Mm -hmm. And we, instead of just being wanting to punch the soy boy in the face, we should ask ourselves, why, what's going on with this young person to be so angry mm -hmm. at everything and everyone and wanting to burn it all down? Um, so right. here you were a young person attracted to communism. You were an immigrant. Um, you were sort of trapped between two worlds because you said you were, you were sort of acquaintances with the Koreans did you feel being too close to that community would, would keep you from being a part of America? Um, were you trying to be 
because you know my wife being first generation Chinese, we talked and she went to Jewish prep schools and then she moved to Bronxville, the waspiest one square mile on earth. And so we talk a lot about what that was like for her. Did that, do you think that played a part of it is like search your search for identity um, and where you fit? And it gets, you know, who your friends, I guess, were mostly white kids or Filipino kids. Like, what, what was the composition of your school? Uh, you know, my school, it had, I think it was arguably a, a, a diverse school. So we had, um, you know, we, we had our share of African-Americans, uh, you know, white kids and, and Asians and, and whatnot. So uh, for me, you know, I, I think I was constantly battling with this idea that I, what if, people think that I do not belong here, right? What if um, people think that I am not good enough? What if people um, think that I am, uh, you know, uh, I'm just another, you know, off, you know, it, I'm just another off, off site, you know, figure somewhere that they don't really have to care about. You know, I, I guess that was something that I was, um, you know, struggling with uh, very, very strongly, but also at the same time I was really frustrated because of that. Uh, you see, when when someone when someone struggles with questions like that, it's easy for them to just, you know, slip into um, this idea that, well, you know, maybe it's the system, maybe it's the the, the world that I'm living in that's causing me um, all this uh, mental pain, and I'm going to start blaming everyone else and everything else uh, because there can't there possibly can't be anything that's wrong with me, right? So I was also swimming in a pool of selfishness, um, in, uh, indirectly, I might I might say, um, but I, you know I I'm still guilty of that, right? And that's and that's probably the other um, side of the coin that a lot of people just don't see is that, um, you know, with with the search for identity, with the search for just basic acceptance, you know, a lot of a lot of these kids that we see who are part of Antifa and, and whatnot, um, you know, they're, they're just, they're just pretty much mad at, you know, everyone else and, and really can't come back to the idea that, you know, may, there's, there needs to be a huge self-reflection in order for things to get better. Um, and that's, that's the fear that's looming before them and has became a huge wall for them to even like walk into a, um, you know, an area of recovery, as I call it. Well, I think that's, you know, what you went through is just common in a liberal order, mm -hmm. this search for identity, right? And especially yeah. a country like ours, made up of so many different, the, and the balkanization of our society, I, I think is, is it's increasing, which is just bizarre for someone my age, you're much younger than me, but um, to see this sort of renewed balkanization or an attract to illiberal ideologies, a, 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 a sort of like the young conservatives being attracted to Heidegger and Heidegger's mm -hmm. understanding of being in, in the tribe and place. And, you know, it's, we, it's, it's striking to me. And it's ironic that I'm from the extremes on the left and the right. It's this mm -hmm. search for identity that lures people like the devil's a judo master, right? So your, yeah. your, um, your sort of struggle with identity led you to support a regime that was committing mass ethnic cleansing based on race and ethnicity, but you saw it as the solution to your struggle mm -hmm. for identity. And you just have yeah. to look at the devil and say, wow, his Ipon Sanagi is amazing. His jujitsu is, that was great. What he just did right there. Like his, right. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, and so that's what we as conservatives have to be really on guard for is with our young people is that yeah. their search for identity, like in Catholicism, there's this Catholic integralism, which is, 
young Catholic men who have been addled by pornography, who see no hope for marriage. Um, you know, they're being lured into uh, sort of Catholic identity politics. Um, and they're struggling search for place and identity. And so that's, so it was your search for identity that led you to communism. Now, did you, um, you said you were bullied. Was, was it because of being an immigrant, being first generation, or was it just, you know, I think all kids, when they look back at high school, we all think we were bullied. I thought I was bullied. And then kids said, you thought I was bullying you, but you beat me up every day. Yeah. Cause you bullied me. <laughs> you know, like, what, was I the bully? <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, that's, that's the funny part, right? I, I didn't, I, I, I don't know if I can actually give you a, an actual reason as to why I was bullied, but I think part of the reason was because you know, I was, I, I was just different, right? I had different interests than everybody. I was never also good at math, right? Um, and being from an Asian American background. Liar. Right? Nor is my wife. Right. I think you and I talked yeah, about exactly. this with my wife, right? Like she's horrible. <laughs> exactly. But my, she makes up for the racket sports. So there, there's, there's that. Right. Right, exactly. So in a way, I guess it's also um, a self-afflicted pain, right? Um, you know, yes, uh, you know, and kids are, going, kids are always going to be kids. They're always going to say something mean. But it's also, I later also found out, it, it, the other important thing is, is how you actually handle the situation. And I don't think I was a good, you know, handler of, a, of that particular situation when people would say mean things to me or, you know, or I've witnessed, you know, something, um, you know, something bad being done and, and do anything about it. Um, and, and I think that's definitely a huge, you know, uh, a factor um, that really led me to uh, believe that, you know, well, maybe it's not me, maybe it's other people. Um, see, all these horrible things are happening in front of me. So, and I didn't participate in it, right? So maybe it's definitely the system, right? And so even going back to the whole Marxism, um, you know, belonging to Marxism at some point, I mean, that's how, that's how I became part of it, right? It's just literally complaining about everything but myself. Yeah, well, you know, we're like, uh, you know, when a, a human being is born, we're like, right. you know, you come out of the womb like a, a jet fighting plane, you know, flying at Mach 3. And it takes a while to learn how to fly that plane, right? So, of course, none of us... <laughs> know how to handle these complex situations that were placed in at nine years old, you know, in a room full of 60 kids having to interact. And we've only been on the earth nine years. It it takes a while to to figure that out. Did you find a community of, of kids who are also identified as communists or was this sort of, you were a lone ranger? I was a lone ranger. Actually. I actually also, I, I, I even, I was so enamored with Marxism and, and just trying to connect myself you know, with the best, you know, Marxist or communist society that I had, that I've known all this while, which is the Chinese Communist Party, I decided to, you know, learn Mandarin. I actually volunteered, you know, in, in Chinatown, you know, as a, as a high school student, um, you know, helping, helping different people within the community, which I, I think to a point, um, to this day, um, helping, the act of helping people wasn't a bad thing. I also I needed, um, you know, <laughs> And the uh, service hours, you know, to pass my religion classes. So that's part of the, and, and in a way that was my way of telling, you know, the, you know, telling my religion, you know, teachers that, hey, hey, you know, suck it because I, I'm going to give you these hours, but I've contributed my time helping, you know, my fellow Marxists who are way older than I am, right? And yeah. um, not, not saying that everyone in Chinatown were Marxists, but, you know, with, you know, with the, um, and, and again, that's when the, um, the, 
the whole Occupy Wall Street movement was going on. And there were like definitely Marxists there that, that really helped me to, um, that really helped me to shape up, you know, what I knew to be Marxism till this day. Yeah. Oh, wait. So, so the Occupy Wall Street, you, did you participate in any of those events? I did not, but I was closely following it. I was also, I actually visited one Occupy Wall Street um, event that they had. And I think, I think somewhere in, somewhere in downtown uh, New York at the time, they had a, they, they borrowed a space where they had different tables where different organizations from the movement were um, handing out uh, pamphlets and stuff like that. And so I, I went there, I, I checked it out. I, you know, looked at their, um, you know, ideologies. And I, I, and I remember at that time walking through that room and just saying, just saying, this proves why why Marxist communities are the best because you know I don't see any racism here. I see everyone just you know accepting each other and you know and and really talking about the same exact thing and you know being the victims of the system. So this is great. I mean, I that's that's what I thought at the time. You know. So how did you? By the way, I have to tell you, I identified as a Marxist for like the first half of seventh grade. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, I read the. Oh, you, you almost joined the club fully. <laughs> I, I I read the Communist Manifesto, but by God's grace, the same year I read Anthem and Harrison Bergeron. So I I had gone from being, I would swing. You know, I was I was uh, I read Siddhartha in the eighth grade. Was a Buddhist for a while, from reading a German writer, <laughs> reading Herman Hesse, made me a Buddhist. So I was. Um, then I tried to read D T Suzuki in the eighth grade. Gave me a headache. But, you know, I was, I did, I did too identify as a Marxist for about half a year. And my dad told me at the time, yeah, I was in the Mao when I was in college or when I was in high school, uh, you know, but really just to get chicks. That's what he told me in the 70s, 60s. <laughs> but now what, 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 how did you escape your attraction to totalitarian, brutal socialism? Well, you know, a lot of people are surprised by this, but. Um, it was actually by going to college, um, and and I'll tell you the reason. You why. met real um, communists. I, actually, well, not not just that, but I actually started doing something that a lot of Marxists just don't do, right? Which is talking to people who are actual victims, right, of the system, right, uh, that I used to know as communism or 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 Marxism. Right. And I think my inter first my first interaction that, that really made a huge difference uh, was with the Falun Gong community. Right. And, and again, I'm not a Falun Gong practitioner, but I think in principle, they've done an amazing job in illustrating um, the, the narrative of what really happens under a Marxist system, uh, under a totalitarian uh, dictatorship. Right. Uh, and their system that I greatly admired at some point. Um, I think that was it. I think the the other thing was, you know, I, and I remember, um, I I remember walking through the streets of Queens. This was in my uh, freshman year during my winter break, and um, I decided to just stop by a Falun Gong, uh, you know, a Falun Gong information table that they have right outside of the uh, Queens Library at the time. And you know, this was right before the whole 2012, you know, December 21st end of the world thing, and I thought, you know, hey, if the world's gonna end, why not? Why not me just, you know, go? Wait, I it? missed that. Was the world world supposed to end in two thousand and twelve? Yeah, they, they they asked the whole thing about this this one Presbyterian pastor. I think they Eesh. came out and said, oh, the world is gonna end at this date or whatever. And so, you know, I I, I 
well, part of my thought was, well, if it's going to end, you know, might as well just go, um, you know, get as much information I can right now and, you know, just, you know, uh, just go, just going for it. But I, I remember talking to one of the ladies in, um, in, in that information booth and she started telling me about, you know, how she escaped China and how she as a Chinese, um, you know, was, did not approve of the CCP and what was happening to her sister and, and all of that, right? And, and when I looked at her eyes, I think that's when it became clear that this woman wasn't lying. And, and you know, prior to that, I, you know, I, I thought the Falun Gong were these crazy people, a, a crazy cult that tried to, you know, end the world and, and just wanted to, um, you know, uh, you know, destroy a government that, that, that was clearly doing good for its people. But when I, when I talked to this lady, when I interacted with more Falun Gong practitioners, later in the future, I began to realize that this wasn't a lie. It was, it was actually a genuine um, testimony. And I think what added onto my uh, suspicion against the CCP uh, was, um, was when I participated in what you now know as the Veritas Forum. Now, the Veritas Forum is basically made up of academics, faith leaders, um, and, and just basically scholars of all sorts um, in, in every area. You know whether they're scientists or whatnot, um, coming together and and explaining things um, through a bit through a biblical perspective. Um, now I've been a Christian all my life, and I think uh, except I, I don't think I was really a Christian back in high school when I was part of Marxism. But my thought, hey, you know, this is the most Christian thing ever, right? Um, but when I but when they actually told me the following sentence, um, it, it just became uh, that that became a huge turnaround for me, which was that you need to question everything, even the Bible. And that was surprising to me because if you look at any Marxist ideology, one thing that they do is discourage you, right, from actually questioning anything in a, in, in a genuine sense. They discourage you, right, from, from questioning authority and to accept that, you know, this, this utopia that they're explaining is the right way. And anyone that goes against it, right, is somebody who's evil and must be, you know, taken, you know, uh, taken out immediately, right? And and I began to research about communist ideology, and and lo and behold, whether you know it's Khmer Rouge, the North Korean regime, the CCP, or you know these various um, communist, um, you know, uh, regimes in South America and Cuba, they all did the same thing. They 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 literally took out anybody that questioned them. Right. And what we see it today, right, with uh, hopefully this wakes up young people with Facebook fact checkers and with Neil Young's temper tantrum, the guy that wrote Keep on Rocking right, exactly. in the Free World. How dare yeah. you question authority? So it's no exactly. surprise that the same baby boomer nitwits that never grew up, you know, that were smoking pot and dancing yeah. around uh, at Woodstock are, you know, terrified in their houses watching Wheel of Fortune with masks screaming into the wind do what you're told exactly and 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 again you know to me right as, as of now it that really really frustrates me because you know it's clear that they haven't done something that they should have done that could they that they could have done for a long time which was talking to people firstly from uh you know, systems that are oppressive, that, that tries to cancel them, but in their case, you know, it would have meant death, right? 
and what it means to move towards that type of society. And, 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 and clearly to me, these people still haven't waken up, right? And many of them would be like, well, you know, I, I, I support the whole free Tibet movement. I support this, this, and that. What's happening to the Uyghurs is terrible. I mean, I appreciate them saying that, but do they really understand it, right? If they, uh, if they, if they, if they say those things, but continue to uh, practice, you know, uh, similar things that the, C the brutal regimes like the CCP does. I mean, that really frustrates me and really frustrates and should anger all Americans. Because uh, again, as an immigrant and on behalf of all the people that, you know, I've been in contact with who are distant from North Korea, Iran, China, whatnot, we're gonna tell, we want to tell the people who are, who are born here in this country um, with, with citizenship that many of us had to fight for, right, in the past, that you are making a grave mistake Right by not appreciating the values that that um, that the founding fathers have founded, yeah. you you're making a huge mistake by not appreciating the United States in general, the flag that flies you know above our heads, right? Because if because by doing that, to me, it 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 will degrade you know uh, degrade the um the the freedoms that we all enjoy, the the freedom to even complain about the system, right? That will be gone, right? And later on, it's going to be our future generation that will have to pay the price for it. Um, and, you know, and, 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 and in, my, in my opinion, and in the opinions of many, many other people out there, it's a national security risk, you know, to me. Um, and, and, and we need to take this uh, in, in the most serious manner possible. Yeah, well, and to that note, we're behaving like as we're behaving like a trust fund baby, a trustafarian who imagines his trust will last forever. And we don't recognize that we're going to leave our children in squalor and in tyranny. We're delivering them to the door, to death's door, you know. And, and the baby boom generation has been a, an absolute catastrophe because they're, they're driving the ship right now. We need to wrestle control away from them. You know, this, 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 baddie, this baddie old man Joe Biden uh, is, is at the helm of the ship is, 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 is horrifying. And um, yeah, so I think that they're just LARPers who, who can't imagine how bad things can become, right? And, and then as, as to your point about the CCP being a national security risk, I think it's scarier than that because we realize that the CCP is in bed with, I hate the word neoliberal. I'm going to coin a new word, right? I'm going, I must. I, I call them technocratic Anglo-fascists. It's kind of too big. We'll call them neoliberals. Mark, I just heard um, uh, Mike Lindell call Mike Zuckerberg, Mike Suckabuck. Mike Suckabucker. <laughs> Mike Zuckerberg, or Mark Zuckerberg. Um, you know, the, the tech giants, the Democrat Party, the mainstream media, and the CCP are allies mm -hmm. in this new globalist tyranny. But I really believe... I really believe that the mystery that the genocide Olympics may be the pebble that shatters their porcelain feet because it's exposing the yeah. fraud of it all. I mean, here we have Peng Shui, this famous tennis player who was raped. Where is the left? Where's the Me Too movement? The CCP is literally oh, complicit. They're complicit in, right. in stifling the free speech. She's, she's, for all we know, she's a prisoner. We don't know where she is. We don't know what's going on with her. There was that picture two days ago where she made some statements. You can see these CCP thugs in the mirror 
behind her. They didn't realize we could see them scowling at her as she's, right. you know, giving her speech. She should have blinked SOS with her eyes. Uh, where, where are the feminists? You know, where are the LGBT groups, the way that the CCP brutalizes the LGBT community? At the end of the day, they don't care about anybody. They care about standing with those who are in power where they're in power. So the Saudis can line up uh, gay people and push walls on them every Friday or cut off their heads. The CCP can brutalize Mm -hmm. them. Uh, They they can brutalize and rape and force women to have abortions or force them to get pregnant. They're going to be silent because that's the power. And then here the neoliberals have power. They're going to mouth their pieties and wear their rainbow flags. They're just on the side of power because they want to be the last ones eaten by the alligator. Yeah. And, and you know, um, that, that reminds me. There was there were times, I think back in 2019, I believe, where uh, a gay couple from uh, Hong Kong wanted to participate uh, in, a, in a marathon, actually, I, in a marathon. And I think with the free Hong Kong T-shirt on, and they just, I mean, they, they just simply wanted to participate like anybody else, right? And, and, and later, and before they entered the competition, they were told, no, you are stirring up trouble. Um, people are not happy with, the, with, with your shirt and, and whatnot. And, um, and also, you know, LGBTQ uh, people are, are treated horribly in China. And so that probably was another huge factor, but nobody spoke up for them, right? Nobody went ballistic, you know, because, because they were denied you know, it didn't deny participation in such a such an open event, which is supposed to be an open event for everybody, right? So it really shows that you know, at the end, when you in, when when these movements get institutionalized, those leading it, right, don't necessarily represent, don't really, don't ever represent a lot of times the people that they're supposedly representing. It's really about how much um, you know popularity that they're gaining and how much. Um, it really just becomes uh, it's a, a, a great opportunity to virtue signal freely without, you know, without really actually doing the work, right? And, and, and again, when, when you do that, victims, especially even just going back to the Me Too movement, they're, actually, they're genuine, genuinely, um, you know, uh, genuinely heartbroken uh, victims out there um, that, just, that are just tired of being used all the time. Because you know, people would use, use these these people running this organization specifically would use these hashtags and their stories, and these people still wouldn't get justice. The only thing that the uh, that the only, if there's any gain, it would be it would be by the people that um, are, are running these campaigns and 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 whatnot. And and again, um, you know, we we really need to we really need to reflect on um, what we stand for here in, in the U.S. Right? If we if we truly stand for freedom and democracy, if we truly stand for uh, this idea that everyone has the right to be who they are in this country, no matter, no matter, no matter who they are, um, we really have to, we really have to act on it. Otherwise, you know, we're we're just going to become another country um, in a nor- in North America that the CCP can control. You know? Yeah, they're not controlling us. We are going to smash the CCP. Uh, we're going to smash yeah, the deep state. You know, we're going to yeah. smash big tech. By the way, you can follow me. Are you on Getter? I'm at Jason Jones Show. Everyone needs to go to Getter. You know, even if you don't like social... I, I canceled my Twitter account. Steve Bannon thought I was imprudent in doing that. I canceled it when they canceled the president because I thought that's too far. You can't... Can- I would have right. canceled it if they'd have canceled Joe Biden. It's just too right. far. I'm not going to be on that platform, but I am on Getter at Jason Jones Show. It's the Getter killer. So everyone... Are you on Getter yet? 
I, I do have a getter account, but I, I haven't really used it. As a matter of fact, I, I just literally opened it. I, I it's a party. My, my getter name. is, I never yeah. liked Twitter because um, it was nasty. I'm just saying getter is oh, a yeah. party. It is a party. Oh, yeah. It is a free, it's like a freedom festival. You just need to yeah. get beyond getter, and it's a lot of fun. Um, so we're going to defeat the CCP because we must. We're yeah. going to defeat the deep state. Because they're cruel and they're vicious. I and mean, we're living through a cultural revolution right now where they're, they, you know, they're dragging everyone up on stage. You know, in the cultural revolution, they would drag a 19-year-old girl up on stage and say, you know, and they would yell at her, when you were, you know, when you were seven, you peed your pants in class. You know, you were zit-faced in junior high. We remember how zit-faced were you. You kissed that boy in ninth grade. Everyone knows. And they would ridicule yeah. these, like, they would ridicule you. And they would bring up everything from your past on stage, yeah. right? And they would and they would ridicule these children. Well, now you know, and they, and, and not just children. They would even ridicule communist cadre and pull them up, and and then yeah. give them a litany of everything they've ever done in their life, or their grandfather had ever. They're bringing up Joe Rogan, and you know, bringing everyone up, and they're and they're doxing them. Doxing is just the cultural revolution when you're right. seeking to be hostile and cruel and destroy people. We must defeat this. But I'm seeing like yeah. all the beautiful people in this canter freedom, Dave Chappelle, Joe Rogan, Alex Jones, Steve Bannon, like all the beautiful people they're trying to destroy are ending up. I mean, they're going to push Whoopi Goldberg to us. We're the ones defending Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. And, and, that's, and, and again, you know, it's, it's their desperate attempt to try to take over, right, all the time. And as, as, a, as a former Marxist, I can tell you that, you know, Marxists always have, one thing in common is that they live under constant fear, constant fear of, of being defeated, right? Because they know the ground that they stand on is not necessarily strong. It's not, it's not strong, period, actually. Let me, and pardon me. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm not really surprised that a lot of these people are, are, are doing what they're doing. Um, but also, it, it's just it, it's another reminder. You can just come back to the whole captivation um, coalition. This is why it's so critical for people to research and, and to talk to folks, right, who are actual victims of the system that they're trying to create. And, and, and unfortunately, a lot of people don't even realize that the things that they're doing, like trying to constantly cancel people all the time because they said something that don't, that don't fit their narrative, right, are, are, it's something that totalitarian governments always do in order to uh, take hold of power, right? And, you know, when, when our grandchildren, when our, um, you know, the future generations end up in, you know, end up in camps in the future, right? They're going to look back and, and, and pretty much look at it and, and, and say, why didn't you not do anything? Yeah, we're but, not going to let that happen, Sehun. We're not no, letting that happen. We're, we're going to crush them. We're definitely, we're not going to let that happen. And I see, I see that we're not going to let that happen because I think in a way, like it or not, we're winning this fight. And I think we are, we're definitely, um, and people are just getting tired of it. People are also getting tired of this, our, our politicians, you know, uh, saying one thing and deciding with, you know, those people that want to literally destroy us, right? And, you know, because of this mass wake-up, I, I believe that the, vic the day of victory is near. Yeah, I mean, they've gone, they've just, they're just going too far. And something that St. John Paul the Great wrote in his book, Memory and Identity, where he reflected on his life, was his last book, a series of interviews, really, I think, that they put into a book. I'm not sure, but... It's a great book, and uh, he, he said that he knew totalitarian socialism and Nazism before it would collapse because they were ideologies of evil, ideologies built on deprivation that would collapse under their own weight. 
the CCP and the neoliberals are collapsing under their own weight, and it happens out of the blue. You know, you just yeah. you don't even see it coming. And the reason why they're so scared of losing is because they have a finite horizon. They can see their horizon. We have an infinite horizon. That's why they can never be happy warriors. That's why they're always so angry, and they just don't understand why we can be so joyful. You know, they don't get it. Even when they feel like they're winning and they see that we're joyful, they think we're stupid because they think we don't know, you know, they think that uh, the only reason we could be happy if we're losing is because we're stupid. We're dolts. They don't understand that we have an infinite horizon, that life is just a sacrament, that, um, you know, we are, are living in a way that we, we are fighting them to honor God. We, we, don't, we don't fear them. I fear the sufferings of others. That's yeah. what I fear. I fear that others are suffering because of my inaction. I fear that my, my posterity will suffer because um, we have squandered their inheritance. And there's no doubt we're squandering their inheritance. And even with the defeat of, of the neoliberals and their buddies at the CCP, um, we still have a battle ahead to rebuild and yeah. um, to reclaim the inherit our inheritance for our grandchildren. We want to leave. I want to leave. You know, my grandfather uh, was a child of the Depression, fought in World War II in Korea. Uh, was mm-hmm. a, was a, he, he, he was a tool and die maker. And then, and then my father, uh, my grandfather didn't go to college. My father didn't get to go to college. And, he, you know, he had me as a young man, went to the Army, and, and then he worked his way up for me in a shoe salesman the vice president of a box store, you know, without a college degree. Um, mm-hmm. And then I had the privilege, even though I was last in my class in high school, literally, and then dropped out and joined the <laughs> army. Um, and I didn't, I didn't go to high school with like 12 kids in my class. I had 500 some kids in my class and I was last uh, before mm-hmm. I dropped out. Yet I had the privilege to go to a university. Um, mm-hmm. Can you imagine that? And right. then, and then what are we leaving? What are we leaving my children? that, you know, I have to leave them something better than was left to me. And then my, you know, my grandfather's parents were immigrants. Um, mm-hmm. They had to change their name. You know, my, his dad had to change his name because they weren't hiring Germans uh, after right. World War One. Right. Well, that's, that really touches upon the whole moral, moral obligation thing, right? As, 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 as people who are born in a free country, we have a moral obligation to protect um, these values that allow, you know, um, working people like you and I and like your grandfather um, and, 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 you know, his, his parents before were, were able to enjoy, right? And, and again, it's, it's because of these people who worked hard so that their children can have a better future that we have a better future today, which unfortunately is being, is, is under attack, right? And, and the left really loves to bring race all the time, but the beauty of the American system is that it it just doesn't it just it doesn't see color, right? It doesn't see color in the sense that oh well, you know, if you're a white person, you're that; if you're a black person, you're this and that. Um, there's definitely racism practiced by those a lot of, by those in power um, that are trying really hard to be to get it uh, be part of the system. But I think this whole idea, the foundation um, of freedom um, and democracy that we're standing on is, is saying that we, no matter, what, no matter what background we're from, no matter who we are, right, we all can build, we all can innovate, we all can make ourselves better. Um, and, and even going further back than that, it's, it's, it's really our biblical values that we are, um, you know, out of touch with. And 
maybe that's a great place to start, you know, for at least for us uh, Christians, right, living in living in a free land like this, um, you know, to ensure that uh, the values that we have uh, don't don't get degraded. And, and again, we also have to look at the rebuilding process, right? How can you rebuild without I, I personally for me, I look at it this way, you cannot rebuild or you cannot even fathom about uh, building a greater society right, without firstly dedicating it to the Lord, right, and I, I believe in that strongly, and, and I, and, and again, if any Marxists are listening to this podcast, the, the message that I have is, you're loved, you're loved because, because, because the Almighty has said so, and He loves you because He has created you, right, and, and as long as we remember that, that becomes a great foundation for us to appreciate freedom what it means to have freedom what it means to um you know look at you look at figures like your grandfather who fought for our freedom specifically even for my freedom being from south korea and how and how precious that really is right and once we develop that type of um mentality i believe we're not only going to have a stronger nation we're going to we're going to be a nation that is going to become an everlasting beacon of light for other countries, right? Um, and I truly believe in that. And, and again, you better believe in that because there's so many people out there, right? Uh, you know, outside of the United States who would kill to be part of this country. Who would kill to be an American? I mean, I'm spending, I'm spending, I'm spending, you know, most of my days fighting to rescue Christians and other minorities from Afghanistan. You yeah. want nothing more than to come to the United States. And well, you know, we can get you to yeah. Brazil or we can get you to Sweden. We can get you to Germany. They're always let down because they want to come to the United States of America. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's you know? actually, that's, that's, yeah. that's amazing. And, and, and we need to remember people like that. Um, you know, when, when the next time we complain, you know, about, uh, the system that we have, right. Everyone has the right to complain. Everyone, I think, you know, sometimes, yes, it's very valid. But a lot of times, you know, when it comes to instances of us not, you know, of, of us forgetting about what we should be thankful for, um, we're, sh- we're doing these people a huge disservice, right? And if you're going to do that, then don't say that you care about, you know, these people who are, who are suffering in Afghanistan, in the Congo, in Tibet, or anywhere else. Because, because again, um, these people are, are probably looking at you and saying, do you understand how good you have over there? Yeah, no. No, so before we go, I want to I want to land the plane. I've had you on for over an hour. Uh, before we let you go, I want you to give us, you know, a, um, a brief introduction to each of the captive nations that the CCP sure. it has been occupying and oppressing, and, and then tell us how people can support you and follow the work of the Captive Nations Coalition. Well, firstly, uh, the, we, re- we represent mainly uh, four uh, nations that have been taken over by the CCP. First is China, right? Um, and this, which, which I know, um, the Chinese people themselves, specifically the Falun Gong and the Chinese Christians, right, are under a huge oppression, uh, of the CCP. And they arguably have become the first, um, you know, the victims of the Chinese Communist Party. So that's one. Number two are the Southern Mongolians. And personally, I have a huge, um, connection to the Southern Mongolians, uh, partly because since, since I was a kid, you know, we were always we were always told that us Koreans have, uh, have have very deep connections with our brothers and sisters in Mongolia, and so Southern Mongolia itself is is, 
is, is a very dear issue to me. And, and these and the Southern Mongolians, um, after the Qing Dynasty broke up, um, the Mongolians themselves were able to enjoy a certain amount of uh, autonomy from the Chinese rule. Um, the Soviet Union at that time came to their aid, and the what we know as the nation of Mongolia today were able to enjoy um, independent sovereignty. But the Mongolian areas, what we know as Inner Mongolia today, um, were captured by the CCP and were claimed to be part of China since the ancient times, which isn't the case. And so um, they've been going through, uh, since since then, um, I think especially in 2020, uh, they've been going through cultural and, and identity extinction by the CCP. They are now, they were trying to ban the Mongols from even speaking their languages or even writing in their languages in their schools. And so um, what they're facing is real, right? And so um, that's, uh, that's really what they're uh, facing. And then really the other thing about them is that um, they have been struggling for independence for a while. And so um, I would I highly encourage everyone to look into the Southern Mongolian issue as much as possible. Um, but the next is Tibet. Um, and, and again, I don't need to go too much into Tibet, but um, the holiness of the Dalai Lama since his exile in 1959, um, you know, the the whole of Tibetan people have been living with constant oppression. I mean, against religion, not, you know, not to mention 6,000 of their monasteries were destroyed. Um, monks and nuns were made to fornicate on the streets. And it's an absolute um, insult to their cultural identity and religious identity. Um, but also at the same time now, uh, China's using Tibet as, um, a, you know, as a weaponized ground against India to create, um, a, 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 an, an enormous amount of um, trouble in the South Asian region. So um, India's, India's right now, be, you know, has been suffering uh, because of their uh, the insecurities within uh, on their northern borders. Matter of fact, a lot of a huge number of their defense budget goes goes on there. Um, and and this really hasn't been the case when you know, Tibet was a free country because they were like brothers and sisters uh, for many many years. And so um, there's Tibet, and and the the other one is East Turkestan. Um, as you know, we know it's the Uyghur region, but there are definitely other Turkic people there, including Kazakhs and, and Uzbeks and Tajik. And um, you know, people thought that you know, people thought that look, never again will will never will again never again happen. Yet it's happening right now, right? And it's something similar is that. Um, concentration camps are being operated in there. Uh, we have now we are now receiving reports that they are building crematoriums uh, right next to it. Um, and there's demand for what is called as halal organs, where um, dignitaries, businessmen from various um, Middle Eastern countries are going over to China and and getting organ organ transplants from Uyghurs who are forcibly taken into these camps and other facilities. Um, and so, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is something that's happening in East Turkestan. And finally, we have Hong Kong. Um, and, and again, I want to, I want to repeat what, what my colleague and my mentor, um, Taoya Shui from China Chain just said, is that everything that has happened to Hong Kong, a, 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 a city that is no different than, say, New York City or Singapore or London or you name it, is able to fall into a communist hand um, should scare everyone because what has happened to Hong Kong can literally happen to the entire world at some point if we let the CCP lose. So that's the first category of people. The second category of people that we're also advocating are 
nations under the Belt and Road Initiative, right? So Kazakhstan, um, um, we, we also have Iran, uh, Russia. <clears throat> we also have, uh, you know, uh, even, even in our own borders, we have uh, Jamaica, for example, and, and, and Cuba and Venezuela. All of, these all of these governments have made deals with China um, that pretty much, pretty much gives China an open road to colonize them eventually. I mean, we're seeing that in Pakistan right now. The Pakistani government has sold off its country essentially to, to China at this point. They have borrowed all these loans. And yeah, and, they, and, and, they, and they created the Taliban, and they're abusing Afghan refugees that make it to, to Pakistan oh. now. And uh, oh, it, Pakistan is it, our it, enemy. Yeah, it is worse. It is much worse than that, right? They have not only done that, but they have aligned themselves with China completely, right? Um, basically just spitting on the faces of, uh, of their so-called Muslim brothers and sisters, right? As they call it, right? As they call them, um, you know, across the border. And just laying to do whatever. But here's the thing: jokes on pocket, jokes on the Pakistani government. You know, they they have now given over the Guadalajara port uh, in southern Pakistan completely over to China. Where's the voices of the Pakistani people in this? Well, they're silent. And this is what's happening to um, the people who are who belong to nations that are under the Belt and Road Initiative. Is that all these people's voices are essentially silent? Right. This Pakistani civil society are suffering. Right. And some people in Pakistan, they don't have anything to do with that. Yet and isn't it ironic that, you know, when you were a young Marxist and all these young people attracted to communism, it's, you know, capitalism puts people over profits. And um, yeah. here you have the CCP more than any other country in the world. I'm sorry, puts profits over people and uh, they yeah. corrupt every country they touch. Turkey's been silent yeah. on the Uyghur. Saudi Arabia has been silent on the Uyghur or worse. Uh, Pakistan and the Taliban have sided with the CCP against the Uyghur. And then you have uh, neoconservatives in the United States tell us, or reactionary people on the right will say, oh, yeah, the C and I've heard this. The CCP's killing Muslims good. We don't have to kill them. Really? And well, now you are on the side of the CCP, the Taliban, uh, yeah. Saudi Arabia, and Pakistan against a vulnerable, beautiful people. Um, we, we live in a very strange world right now. Very strange world. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think just to wrap it up, um, I think if what people can do is um, we have not just the Captain Nations Coalition, but the Committee of Present Danger China in general. We have uh, webinars every single month uh, dealing with uh, a, a, a huge range of issues. Um, we were also able to um, interact with uh, university students, um, you know, in the past few months, and we we hope to continue that a lot more, um, you know, throughout the coming semesters. And and um, you know, I would I would highly I would highly recommend people to not just check it out, but please look for ways to support, you know, our work uh, because, uh, you know, if we have we have experts um, who were former government officials um, who are, you know, just just downright, um, you know. Uh, geniuses in my opinion um in in you know in in ways of dealing with 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 the ccp and how to combat them and so i, I think we are we're doing you know our organization in general we're doing a huge service um to uh you know to the people uh, in the united states and and all over the world and, and we we look forward to partnering up with whoever we can partner up um that stands on the same ground as we do and 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 hopefully you know defeat the ccp and, and tell our future generation that, look, we have defeated this evil, right? Make sure you protect your freedom at all costs. 
No, you and I are going to have a, a great time in China when we defeat the CCP. We're, I can't Absolutely wait to go to better. Iran when uh, that regime falls. Two countries I can't go to now. You know, Iran put me in their newspapers as an agent of Israel after one of our movies. And uh, I'm sure that you and I wouldn't want to go to the CCP. Probably wouldn't be prudent. But we're going to China. We're going to China when it's free. And uh, we can't wait. Thank you for all of your work. We're going to have um, both of your websites, the Coalition for Captive Nations, in the show notes and the Committee on the Present Danger, China, in the show notes. And um, this audience is on fire. This is an activist audience. This is an audience of people from around the world committed to um, committed to promoting human dignity and standing with the vulnerable. I mean, around the world. Just yesterday, I looked. Just in the past hour, I'm looking at our numbers right now. We've had 200 people in Switzerland. What's going on in Switzerland right now? It was like a Jason mm-hmm. Jones show bonanza in Switzerland today. Um, but, uh, this is an, uh, an audience from around the world committed to standing with the vulnerable and the CCP is the number one regime in the world at making people vulnerable. So we remove the CCP. We help a lot of folks because they're a menace. We're going to do shows in the coming weeks. By the way, we need to do a whole show on the Belt and Road Initiative. We'll do a whole show on the Belt and Road Initiative. We need to do a show. Uh, we're going to do a show on, on, on the CCP, the menace that the CCP is in, in the Middle East how they abuse workers in um, how they abuse workers in uh, Iraq, wherever they go, they're just, uh, they mistreat people wherever. Imagine the CCP goes to Iraq and hires Kurds, goes to Iraqi Kurdistan and hires Kurds. How do you think they're going to treat right. those Kurds? Look at how they're treating uh, 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 an Olympian who is a global ambassador, by the way, for the gay community, this Olympian that's being abused. Right. She's an out and about LGBT, uh, uh, um, representative being abused by the CCP. And I want, I wonder if that quote unquote LGBT community uh, will be up there for him. By the way, I don't believe in those. I don't believe in LGBT. I don't believe it. It's not a thing. There's people, people are wild. They got all sorts of inclinations. That's that. You know, do you know how many letters are in their alphabet now? If you have more than three letters, you don't need letters. That's what I say. Because the people are infinitely unique. So there's not an, I don't think, I honestly think they've gone through the entire alphabet. We say LGBTQ now, is that it? That might not even be enough. I don't know what you're supposed to say to avoid being canceled, but I know there's, they go on and on and on. And I think they've actually used all the letters up in the alphabet and they've had to come up with new combinations of letters to describe um, people, but people are infinitely diverse. So why don't we just erase all the letters? Um, but they use the letters. This athlete is using the letters. She's being abused. Um, this this Kim. Um, so we erase the CCP. We save vulnerable people. From Belgian Absolutely. Olympians to Kurdish workers being being exploited by by the uh, the CCP in, in Kurdistan to the Uyghur uh, to your grandma who died of COVID uh, uh, the CCP virus. Yeah, no, it's it, it, it's a horrible thing, and, and and again, whether you're part of the LGBTQ uh, movement or whatever, right? The CCP is going to come after you, right? If if you know if if you stand in their way, and and again, we are all standing in their way. We just don't realize it as a as a society, and that's really really scary, right? The fact that we don't we don't see ourselves as um, as a threat to the CCP, we are a threat. Every single one of us who who even had a if you had a taste of freedom ever in your life, 
you're a threat to the CCP because you're deemed as a person that they cannot control, right? Or will have a trouble con uh, controlling, right? Um, and so it's it's more of a reason for us to, to say, hey, um, why not why not just at least unite in this, like combating the CCP together and setting aside our differences. Oh, and by the way, maybe appreciating the freedoms that we have here in the U.S., right? So. I, I think I should just stop. No, I love it, Sehun. Hey, we've gone almost an hour and a half. I'm going to wrap this show up. I'm going to let you go. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Uh, and um, and thank you for all your great work. We're going to have to have you on quite a bit. Thank you, Sehun. I'm going to I'm going to so wrap much. the show up. God bless. All right. All right. Bye. All right, guys. That is the great Sehun Kim, uh, the Captive Nations Coalition. He is a member of the Committee on the Present Danger China I have both of their sites in the show notes. Go check them out. Sign up for their newsletters. Uh, donate to them. We're going to take down the CCP. The CCP is gone. Their neoliberal partners are going to be swept into the dustbin of history. Why? Because they must. They must in order for us to be free. In order for us to be free. You know, we will stand up to them. Look, uh, Kim Melemans. I know I didn't say that right. I can't pronounce any ethnic community. If your name is not Smith, Jones, Johnson, I'm messing it up. Kim Melemans of the, um, uh, she's a Belgian athlete and she is a part of the out, proudly out and about coalition, gay, I guess, or some letter in the alphabet that gives you the privilege to being a part of the out and about coalition. Uh, being, you know, she's a prisoner in China right now. We'll see if they stand up for her. We're going to stand up for her. I'm going to try to get her on the show. I'm going to try to get her on the show. Um, but this has been another episode of uh, the Jason Jones Show special pentathlon of podcasting. Um, stomping, kicking. Uh, we're, we're kicking the CCP in the shins. We're going to keep kicking the CCP in the shins till they fall to their knees. And then, you know, we do up kick to the face. We're going to up kick the CCP to the face. Um, we're going to free the Uyghur, free Tibet. Free Hong Kong, free Taiwan, and free China. The Beijing Olympics, if we will it, if we have the will, we're not talking about the military here. If we have the will to disengage our lives, our businesses, our economies, our economies, those of us around the world, we have to have the will to disengage our economies from the slave market of China. And we need to disengage, we need not do business with those companies that participate at, you know, they go to the slave market of China to have their products made. We're just not going to do it. The Jones family has a motto, live small so you can live large. You know, you might not be able to buy a TV every, you know, six months. I, I have a, the same laptop now for 11 years. You know, it's a Mac, you know, for me, forgive me. Because if I put a blue light on this Mac, you'd see the blood of slave labor on this Mac. I, I promise you. So we need to uh, disengage from the CCP to bring down the CCP to free China. All right? Um, go support the great Mike Lindell. Uh, go to MyPillow.com. Mike Lindell is a warrior like none other. I'm sure there were times you're like, is this guy nuts? Is Mike crazy? He has so much to lose. What is this guy doing? Can't he just, you know, uh, buy it? a couple of $20 million mansions, sell my pillow to a company, uh, you know, that it'll manufacture them in China and he can, you know, 
never think about anything ever again, but, you know, fishing in the Pacific Ocean. What's Mike Lindell? No, Mike Lindell didn't do that. He's running his company. The products are made in America. He's fighting for you. And he's not crazy. We're crazy if we're not looking the nightmare of the CCP in the eye, looking the nightmare of stolen elections and a corrupt Democrat party in the eye. We're the crazy ones. So go to MyPillow.com, use the code Jones, and get deep discounts on the best products in the world and become a monthly donor to The Great Campaign or The Vulnerable People Project. Go to our website, thegreatcampaign.org. We are, God is good. We needed to raise $15,000 today to meet um, an immediate food need crisis for food and coal that we had to distribute above and beyond what we had budgeted. Yesterday, I went on the Alex Jones show. He gave me two hours and we promoted our website, uh, thegreatcampaign.org to his show. And we raised exactly the amount of money that I needed to wire out today that we did not have. We need every dollar counts. Go to thegreatcampaign.org. Become a monthly donor. You get a free copy of my book. Or if you don't want to do it every month, just give us your best one-time gift. It will go directly to our support. You know, we are the butterfly in the rainforest. Two years ago, we launched our boycott the Beijing Olympics. We said we're going to stand on that stumbling block and we're going to make it a stepping stone um, for the plight of the captive nations, for the plight of the Uyghur. And look at what's happening. This Olympics has been catastrophic for NBC, catastrophic for its sponsoring corporations, and it has been an absolute catastrophe. It's been, it's been an expose every day. It's been an expose on China, on the CCP. And I have to imagine NBC, they're going to be whipping themselves with hangers on the air before this is over, apologizing and begging the American people to forgive them because it gets worse and worse and worse every day. I cannot imagine. I'm not watching. We're not going to watch one minute. We're not going to watch one minute. Um, but you can just scroll through social media and see athletes crying and begging for help like they're in Hanoi Hilton. It's unbelievable. So when you support the Vulnerable People Project, uh, you are standing with the most vulnerable people in the world. We are clever. We are aggressive. We are relentless. We don't stop. We stand up with, for the most vulnerable, and we stand up to the biggest bullies, and we win, and we win. Be a part of the team. The thegreatcampaign.org. The pentathlon of podcasting begins, I'm sorry, continues tomorrow. It's the Jason Jones Show. This has been the Jason Jones Show, powered by Mudhouse Media.